You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Brewblood. So today here, we're not actually at Manhattan Project Brewing, but we're here with the head brewer and owner, Carl Sanford. We're close to where it will be. We're close, yeah, we're close to the corner of where the brewery will be. Okay, so sorry to correct you so early, but uh, actually, oh. my um, business partner, Jeremy, is the head brewer. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's the three of us. So yeah, okay. it's, it's me and Misty and Jeremy. Yeah. Okay, well... He's not here, so you took his place. You're going to, have to answer all the, the brewing questions. Then. I think I can hang. I think okay, can hang. Sure. so we're close to where the brewery. So let's just start there. You guys are building your brewery. You've been uh, leasing time, I guess, from Bitter Sisters. And how does how does that go? Do the contract are they contract brewing, or how does that work exactly? Um, it's it's called an alternating proprietorship. So whereas contract is essentially you just pay someone to make the uh, the beer for you. Mm-hmm. With the alternating proprietorship, um, we essentially lease time and in, in space. So we go in there and and you know make our beer on on their equipment in their brewery and whatever. Okay. So, but yeah. So the, the the main difference is is whether you make it or if they make it. So. So you guys, when that happens, you just bring in. Do you do you use their employees on that time, or is it just you guys making the beer yourselves, and then they come in later and do their thing? Basically, yeah. swap out. Then. Yeah, we just, just we just yeah, swap, swap out. out we just time? schedule like, hey, today we're brewing, tomorrow you're brewing, you know, whatever. That's and obviously, we work within their schedule because they're you know big yeah. production place and True, trying yeah. to stay out of the way. So <laughs> makes sense. So they, uh, you think they'll be happy to see you go when your brewery's up and running? <laughs> um, probably, probably. Yeah, they'll get some square footage back and yeah. and uh, get us out of the way. But but no, it's it's been good so far. Um, I mean, you know, when a in the first few years of of operation, you know, you're just you're really not brewing that much. Um, where you know, there's some guys like you know, so Pedicolis, um you know, they have a 15 barrel system. So, I mean, they're, they're brewing, you know, 20 times a week. I I don't know exactly how many, but Mm -hmm. you know, and you can start brewing overnight and stuff. So yeah, when you're, when you're first starting out and you're brewing once or twice a week, there's a lot of free time on the, on the brew house. So I think it worked out really well to, to be able to get in there and get us started. And then, you know, uh, obviously, you know, we pay them to be there. So hopefully that helped them out a little bit too. Sure. Well, speaking of brewing, you want to tell us what we're drinking here? Yeah, so this um, this is called Blackberry Fission. It's a uh, fruited saison. Um, it actually has not been released yet, so um, it will be released, I believe, on the seventeenth. So, just a clean uh, saison uh, with just a slight blackberry character to it. So I was going to say the blackberry is is subtle. It's very, pro- but it's I, good. See, you said that. I, I find it yeah. quite prominent in a good way. Really? Well, yeah. Which is interesting. So, so for for the non uh, for for the beer drinker, it's you know a lot of beer drinkers say, oh well, that's a very prominent fruit flavor. Um, but yeah, for uh, like a and I, and honestly, I don't I don't get it as much as other people do. Like other people say, oh man, that berry's in my face, and I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, I get it, but it's it's. Well, I'm really more with you on it. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely there, but it's not. I'm not saying it's like a yeah. cider or like a blackberry cider. Yeah. It's not that. It's not like that saccharine sweet or anything. True, but it's definitely like compared. Let me put it this way: compared to a lot of fruited lighter beers i think this has a way more prominent character in a very good way good. that's gotcha. what i mean that's what i mean said i don't mean it's like in your face like punching you with black yeah, but right you know it's it's very much there and prominent in a good way and it's just in time for spring yeah yeah that yeah, was it's, it's, here on a 30 degree day in texas in right. April. yeah this this came out of nowhere right? yeah yeah yesterday it was what 80 and muggy and today it's 30 and yeah. windy and cold 
Oh, my goodness. This is, yeah, this is great for a spring, summer type, you know, early summer type beer, for sure. So I'm kind of interested. Uh, you guys are very much about, you always say, you, you don't release a beer unless it's world class. And I know that, I think your brown ale, I think I read, <laughs> it's on its 19th incarnation. So what, oh, yeah. Well, so what is a, what is a world class beer to you? And, and why, why so many incarnations of your brown ale? Uh, so that was actually the, that was the first beer that we ever made as a group. So that was kind of, it's called Inception and, and it's called Inception because it was the first beer we made. And that was back in 2000, 2010, 2011. And, you know, just kind of, um, just messing around, kind of still brewing in the garage and whatnot. And, um, and, and it's really, actually, it's a really challenging beer to make. I mean, we still have issues making it today. The yeast is very finicky. And so, um, so yeah, being kind of the combination of those two things, being that it was our first beer and we were still learning the the process, and then also just that the yeast is really finicky. So just different temperatures, different additions, you know, to, to make that yeast come out. But yeah, we've we've gotten a little bit, you know, a little bit better than that now. Now we're kind of, you know, we can get, we can pretty much get to a final recipe in about three to f- three if we're really lucky, and then usually like five, you know, maybe six uh, iterations until we hit what it is we want to hit. But yeah, you had mentioned the thing about the the world class beer. I, I don't know. It's, uh, so essentially, where where that kind of comes from is, um, pretty much anytime we're releasing a beer, we you know we think about what we think is the best example in the world of that beer, you know, whether it be, uh, um, you know, with a West coast IPA, you know, something from Russian river, either blind pig or or Pliny. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we want to, not that we're trying to copy that beer, but we're saying, Hey, can this, can this play on the same court? Right. Is this in the same, I mean, can this compete with this beer, you know, on, on any given day, could these be considered competitors towards each other? So, you know, I mean, it's obviously there's there's not one brewery out there that's going to make the best IPA and the best saison and the best way. You know, you know, obviously, if you look at those those representations, they're all by different breweries all over the world. But we just want to we want to feel like our beer can you know can compete with any of those great examples on any given day. So, and do you guys plan uh, as you move on to kind of cover the spectrum? Or I've seen some breweries lately, or we've we've discussed this a few times that seem to be focusing on certain styles that they want to concentrate on, like the, they want to be known as the guys who have IPAs or the guys that have, you know, a porter or whatever that, that, that they're known for. And they kind of stay in that realm. Do you guys want to cover the spectrum of, of different beer styles going forward? I know what you have now, it seems to be the case, but I just wanted to ensure that's what <laughs> yeah. you're looking to do going forward. So when people ask what kind of beer we make, we usually say Belgian and American, cause those are kind of where we focus. Um, and that's really just our personal beer taste. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's some great German beers, some great English beers, but those aren't really what we gravitate towards personally. And so, you know, when we were kind of, when we were putting the company together and getting started, you know, we had this discussion with the three of us, the three founders, like, you know, what beers we're going to release, how do we decide? And, and what we decided is that if, if we don't all think it's a great beer, like, it has to get unanimous <laughs> votes mm-hmm. then, you know, so, you know, probably, uh, um, I'm trying to think probably a Hefeweizen, you know, one of us would say, nah, you yeah. know, I mean, so that's, is that that's just because of the style, you're not, you don't really care for the style. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, not to pick on Hefeweizen or anything. Sure, yeah. I just picked a random, random style. But yeah, that's so. So, and we just personally tend to gravitate towards, you know, um, yeah, American beers. So, you know, pale ales, uh, IPAs, stouts, uh, porters, and then you know, on the Belgian side, um, we've yeah. So the beer mentioned earlier, Inception. Um, it's a Belgian yeast, but it's kind of our own take on it. And then obviously the saison here. So mm-hmm. we'll probably be. Mostly in that in that realm. Is there one you really wanted everybody to accept, or or maybe Jeremy or one of you like really wanted everybody else to accept that it just didn't didn't fly for all three? <laughs> well, I'm a little um, I'm a little concerned about when we start um, when we move into our spot and we start doing our barrel aging. I'm I'm you know, I'm a little concerned about getting all those past Misty, right? <laughs> True. So yeah, she's not she's definitely not like a whiskey drinker and uh but I, I was we were drinking some barrel aged stuff the other day that she really likes. So I feel like if you pretty much if you do anything really, really well then then it's gonna be good. And so yeah. But, yeah. I, I I guess you have to I guess you can have a style preference and at some point you have to be you have to say, well, I it may not be for me, but it's still a good beer. If that makes, you know, our customers may still like, may really like this beer. I may not necessarily care for the style of beer, but it's a good beer. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's kind of a nuanced uh, discussion, I guess, when you when you kind of get into what's the. Di- so, one of the things is we say, okay, well, if we start producing, you know, a premium light lager, you right. know, domestic lager. Um, and we, we personally don't like those beers, right? Like, right. so how do we know if we're making a good beer, if yeah. we can't determine That's what, true. I mean, you know what I mean? So, so it has to, we have to at least like, like the style of the beer yeah, enough to be able to, to say, yeah. to get behind it and say, yes, I personally like this beer and, and, and I'll, and I would drink it and I would, you know, drink it every day. Right. Yeah. So. Plus what, I guess in that case, like what drives you to make the style if you don't like the style anyways? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. Why would you even start down? You're the a bad path? barometer for the market too. Yeah. yeah. Making a rice lager or something. Like that. <laughs> Why right. would you even do that? So kind of going back to the origins of Manhattan project, obviously that's based on the atomic bomb project and what, What's the connection to your brewery with that with with that project? So um, you know, so originally we just um, you know we had just we were on a beer trip in San Diego, and uh, this is years before we ever um, you know even started making beer together, and um, and it was it was me and Misty and Jeremy and his wife Gia, and uh, we were just sitting around at like Toronado I think drinking some Cantillon probably and and. Um, we're just like, hey, you know, it'd be a cool name for a brewery. It's Manhattan Project, and you could, you know, all the physics references and stuff, all the beer names. And so we would just sit around, like when we'd be sitting around drinking beer, we'd we go, oh, hey, here's another cool beer name, you know, like like that's where Hoppenheimer came from, right? Makes sense, yeah. And um, and so when we when we started making beer together, and then we started entering uh, competitions and you know festivals and stuff like that, we had to have a name. And we're like, man, well, we talk about this all the time, like you know, that it'd be a cool name. Would it, you know, would it be a good name for us? And, and we really started thinking about it. And, um, to me, it kind of makes sense because, you know, Jeremy's this engineer type, um, very, which by the way, if any of you guys are starting a brewery, you really want your head brewer to be like an engineer guy. You don't, you want him to be like a wacky creative dude. You come in one day and be like, Hey, remember that, that beer? Yeah. I put some extra hops in it for, you know, just cause it sounded like fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know, no, like you want, you want like the consistency and, and everything, which is, which is great. Um, Jeremy's great about that. And so like, you know, he brought his, his own talents and personalities and then, 
you know, I have kind of a varied background, um, you know, from business and finance to construction and, and then Misty's got a creative background. So, um, just, you know, marketing, advertising, you know, that type of stuff. And so, um, it kind of made sense. Um, we kind of felt like we were bringing, you know, different skill sets together and we were trying to do, um, trying to, you know, trying to do something that, that we felt there was a, um, a need for in, in Mm -hmm. the, in the market. Like we just, I mean, there's a lot of great breweries out there, but they're, there was st- we felt like there was still not the brewery for us and so we wanted to go out and and make and kind of open the brewery that was for us and what uh, what, do you, what does that translate to as far as beer goes like what what do you think the market's missing especially here in Dallas or north texas um well i mean i think the i mean the market gets better every time you add kind of something a little bit different to it right we wouldn't want you know 40 of the same breweries but uh, to us there's definitely there's de- definitely a, pre- a, a flavor profile that we prefer Mm -hmm. like all of our beers are going to be on the drier side um we just like none of us can stand sweetness in wine or beer just we like everything really really dry Mm -hmm. um and so that's something i think that's a little bit different and it's not not for everybody a lot of people like a little bit more sweetness to their beer like people and once again that's probably why we don't gravitate as much towards uh german styles or english styles they tend to be a little bit sweeter makes sense um so, and then, um, you know, just also, um, just from a brand perspective, um, you know, just like a brand that we felt like we could, we could connect to that wasn't, um, you, you know, and I, there's the, the beer world in general tends to be kind of a, like a, a man's, a man's world, you mm-hmm. know, bros and, and, uh, yeah. frat guys and yeah, keg sure. stands and, you know, so we, we were, we were definitely wanting to, to be something that said, Hey, look beer can be a little bit more refined. It doesn't, I'm not talking snobby. It's just like, Hey, but it can be elevated. It can be elevated. Yeah. 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 Like you can sit, you can cook a nice meal for your friends at home and you can put a bottle of beer on the table. Um, and, and you know, and it, and it can work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys, I know you guys are more, way more prolific in your blogging than a lot of other breweries. I've noticed. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of alluding to your, you know, doing the pairing thing and elevating. I know you guys recently asked the question, our pint nights kind of a tired bit. Yeah. And well, I'm curious as to what answers you got to that question. And, and are you tired of doing them? And because I know just like me being a beer consumer, um, you know, for as far as pint nights, I just don't, I don't go very much anymore because, you know, I, I acquired like a thousand glasses. And when we moved a couple weeks ago, like I had to dump three boxes of glasses. I'm like, we just don't have room for this anymore. Um, and so I don't necessarily like I used to go seeking out the glass, you know, from different breweries and, uh, more than just so I, I don't know i'm curious as to what your experience is because i know you guys are also doing food pairings yeah and to me to me that's something i'm more interested in personally is more in pairing than a pint night yeah i think the general response was that people wanted something a little bit more a little bit more interactive mm-hmm. um you know it's um and, and so that's why i mean we we try to you know right now it's just the three of us right and so when we do an event one of us is going to be there so um i think that that's that you know obviously the the brewery world being a new, you know, still up and coming new, people don't know a lot about it. And so they, they like being able to ask questions, um, and, and, you know, about the business, about, you know, how do we come up with this idea for this beer? How, you know, a lot of home brewers, how do you make it taste like that? You know? And so, um, I think the, the more interactive, um, piece because yeah, I mean, a, a glass is a glass, right? Sure. And, uh, I mean, and most people, and you know, if you're, 
if you're paying seven dollars for a beer, you could probably go out and buy a buy a beer glass, right? Like you don't you don't <laughs> right. really need a free a free glass. So I mean, which it's cool to like you know. F- if it's one of your favorite breweries, it's cool to have a have a glass. But yeah, we're we're wanting to do some stuff that's more interactive and um, you know get some conversations going and mm-hmm. and exchange some information, some thoughts, and just kind of have fun. Make it more of a because I, I think one of the things with pint nights that happens a lot is that people just come in, they get their beer, and they go off to a table. So everyone's spread out throughout the whole establishment, even though they're all kind of there for the same reason, Mm -hmm. you know, they're kind of spread off. So we're saying, Hey, is there a way we can get everyone that's here for this together? Can we start some conversations? Can we, you know, can we make it more fun, more interactive? And yeah, not quite sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, but I think it's gonna be cool. I mean, you could even do things like you could still do pairing dinners, do like sneak peek of here's four beers that are coming up. We haven't released yet. We'd like to get your feedback or something like that. You know? Maybe you're doing some test batches. You just want to see how people respond. I don't know. I think the brew haha thing has been an interesting yeah, trend as well. I, mean, I don't know if you've noticed that one, but yeah, getting the getting the comedians in there and, and I guess people do a lot of trivia and stuff like that. That's kind of yeah. been old hat too. But yeah, anything that's a little more interactive, I think that probably is a really good idea. When you take it just beyond the standard pie night, yeah, yeah. I mean people tend to get isolated, tend to go to their corners. So I think things like dinners and pairings make more sense where you can kind of lead people where you want to go and be, especially in the smaller settings, like a dinner, it tends to be a smaller group, which is nice. Yeah, we just did a great one up at um, Cork and Growler in Frisco, and it was really cool. They um, So they sold out the whole, they, they, their intent was to basically to get enough people in there to fill the whole spot, right? So they could actually close down and just do a private event. Hmm. Um, and I tell you what, that made a huge, he made a huge difference because it just felt like a... I don't know. It felt like a party, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like a rehearsal dinner or something, you know, yeah. like everyone's, yeah. everyone is there for the same reason and you could really kind of connect and interact and, and, um, and you also kind of knew that everybody wanted to, cause another thing about pint night, sometimes people just show up, have no idea it's pint night order, you know, a Manhattan project beer. And they're like, Oh yeah, you get a free glass with that. And they're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, like, I'm like, well, do they want to, chat or not like am i just annoying them am i just interrupting their you know their social hour if i go talk with them so so yeah um that that was yeah as as much as you can getting getting it as an event i think is a is you know they're there for you which is nice yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah like you said it's almost like a rehearsal dinner they're there to support you as a result which is which is nice to nice to see i'm sure so I'm curious, like, I want to go back a little bit as far as how you got your start in brewing. You mentioned you did some garage brewing, there's some festivals. So I kind of want to go back to, like, where did you and Misty meet? And how did you and Jeremy meet? And then where did you guys start out career-wise and the path that took you to becoming, to, to where you are now, where you're about to start building your own brewery? Okay. Yeah, so um, I'll start with kind of the the how we met story. So I, um, so actually, <laughs> we... So Misty and I worked together briefly, and then I worked with, and then at that same company, I worked with Jeremy's wife, and that's how I met Jeremy. So it was really kind of that one company that we yeah. we all got to know each other through, and um, and and actually, my my claim to fame was that that I actually, you know, a decade ago got Jeremy's wife to switch from Miller Lite to Blue Moon, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he was very happy. He's very happy about that. It's now a step she's, in the right direction. Now she's like, she just loves huge, like hoppy West Coast IPAs, which yeah. is which is awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of had met Jeremy at you know happy hours and Christmas parties and stuff like that because he was you know the the husband of my coworker, um, 
and uh and then it was actually yeah and then misty and i worked together briefly and then we had some mutual friends and ended up you know ended up dating getting engaged and then uh we were planning our wedding and uh it was a really small wedding and we wanted to do a like a custom beer that you could only get at the wedding right Mm -hmm. and so we reached out to jeremy and said hey you know i know you you know you homebrew would you would you uh do this for us and he was like yeah 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 let's uh we can get together this weekend. I was like, well, the wedding's like a year away. He's like, no, I want to get together this weekend. Like <laughs> I want to start now. So that was, that was one of the reasons. So that's inception, right? So that was, you know, um, you know, it was still early in his, his, his homebrew days. And so we were all just kind of learning and it was a great experience to go through it because, um, you know, just, a I didn't really know much. I mean, I, I'd kind of gone to the beer store and gotten a pound of this and half a pound of that and, put it all together and made some beer before. But when you're really sitting there trying to dial in a flavor and you have to understand, you know, what is the impact of a a crystal, you know, 80 malt versus a victory malt versus a, you know, Belgian pills or (laughs) whatever. And, and so getting into that level was fun. And it was also very educational to understand, start to learn the difference between malt and hops and yeast and what flavors those contributed. We could barely make a, kit work so I, I totally understand what you're talking about there well i think the kits are kind of hard man like like especially when the, the uh, when you had no experience doing it and the directions that were provided in these kits are god awful it's <laughs> yeah. like it really they really are like you start down one list side of the list and it's like now I'll go to section c and it's like on a different sheet of paper now I'll go back to section d and it's back on the first page and it's like <laughs> it's terrible so i'm yeah. not gonna it's mostly on us but you Probably, know, there's some yes. blame on the kid <laughs> right yeah, and then even just, I mean, there's, there's so much work. I mean, like when you're with those little kits, there's like, I don't know, I feel like, I'm like, you know, when we brew at a big scale, there's, I mean, there's work too, but it's like, sure. man, we have pumps for this, right? Yeah. Like, why am I having to like lift this thing over my head? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh my right. God, this is terrible. Yeah, it's cleaning, 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 yep. Oh, yeah. And no, uh, no temperature control on the fermentation, man. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Just like, rolling the dice it's like what time of year is it let's just see what happens yeah right so uh all right so you guys hooked up for the wedding so and i guess after that you had a successful brown ale for your wedding yeah i mean it went it went really well and it it was a it was a tall order because you know we're you can imagine the diversity of palates at a wedding right Mm -hmm. so it's everything everyone from grandma and grandpa to you know like your craft beer friends to like your Miller Lite friends and you got to, you know, create something that everyone's going to enjoy. And, and, um, so I think we, you know, I think we nailed it, man. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a Belgian beer. So it's obviously, it's not gonna be really hoppy. Um, it's got a nice balanced malt profile. So it's not, um, it's not something that's, that's too sweet or too dry. Um, and it get it's you know the the yeast gives it some interesting um, flavors and characters to it, um, but overall, yeah, it was just a beer that everyone enjoyed. So, so yeah, kind of on the success of that, we we just um, and we had fun doing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we decided to kind of just make some more beers and and I think Jeremy like enjoyed you know having someone to share his his hobby with, right? Because at the sure. time he was just like, well, I just make a bunch of beer and then drink it and maybe give a couple bottles here and there, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and then we, then we, uh, 
I had gone to Brew Riot. Have you guys been to Brew Riot? No. Heard of it and haven't been. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if they're bringing it back this year, but it was it was the coolest thing, man. It was a homebrew festival in, in Bishop Arts, and they shut the streets down. They have like 60, 65 homebrewers there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you pay like 20, 25 bucks, and you can go drink as much beer as you want. And and the fact that it was all homebrewers was really interesting because you just get some of the wackiest stuff, right? Like, sure. I mean, like these uh, these guys have like no concern about any sort of commercial viability or whatever. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. they'd be like, "Hey, this, um, you know, I made a beer that's uh, it has ten pounds of strawberries per gallon or something." You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. just like, oh my god, you could never. You'd have to. You'd have to charge like fourteen dollars a glass for <laughs> right. that. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, so it was so we did that and um in our in our first year we actually won we won first place in IPA, which was IPA is typically the most competitive category. So um I mean that was that was really cool. That was, you know, to be like, oh man, we like like it's not just us that think this beer yeah. is good. Yeah. So so you know, kept doing that for a few years and then um you know, at some point Misty had left her job and started her own business and had done really well. Um and so then, uh, I left, I left my job and was like, Hey, I'm going to do the same thing. I mean, she's, she's done well, might as well try the same thing. And mm-hmm. so I left my job and, and, um, was just doing some consulting work for a while. And then we kind of got the, you know, got the band together and said, Hey, do you, you guys want to you know do this for real? And so, you know, that was probably about, it was a little over three years ago and we've been kind of working on putting it together ever since then. So, so was there like a light bulb moment? when you're doing your consulting or for any three of you, they were like, I'm sick of doing this. I've got to go do this. Go do the brewing. Was there one of those moments? Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I want, I was definitely like ready to be out of the, the kind of corporate world. It's, it'll, you know, you guys know it'll grind on you. And, Mm -hmm. and I was just, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to do something, you know, like my way. Right. And, and, because I feel like you know, in corporate world, you you spend eighty percent of your time trying to convince other people to just like do their jobs, right? You know, and it's just yeah. like I'm like I, I just want to like go do stuff. I don't want to have to like yeah. fill out forms and you know do, do all this. Or that kinda... your way makes sense. Yeah, to, you have to convince yeah. them of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so I I kind of the three of us sat down and I had I had started to put together like a kind of a very summarized business plan and kind of gave it to Missy and Jeremy and said, all right, this is kind of just the start of it. I wanted to kind of get something going, but I'm not going to go too far unless you guys, you know, say you're interested. And, and, um, but you know, all of us at the time, we didn't, you know, we really didn't know if we were, cause we said, we, we don't really know a lot about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we make beer, but that's, that's like such a tiny part of it, you know? And, and so, you know, we spent probably six months just researching and, you know, calling equipment manufacturers and material suppliers and talking to different brewery owners and just trying to get a grasp of, of what it, what it really, and, you know, and so kind of developed out the business plan, but, you know, in kind of the meantime, sort of figured out, you know, what our different roles were going to be and where our strengths and weaknesses and, and stuff were. I mean, so just, you know, like starting a, starting a business, right? So. And, and speaking of that, kind of where you guys are coming into the fold in DFW. Uh, obviously, I don't know what wave we would necessarily call this, maybe fifth, sixth wave. Somebody waves I, I don't now. know. <laughs> you know, we go back to the, the RAR Franconia original, you know, a couple of breweries, and then now it's kind of built out a little bit at this point. Um, 
do you think there's more advantages or disadvantages to coming along now? Because I, I would assume if you're in the first wave or second wave, a lot of people that are into craft beer are just excited there is a craft brewery that exists, and now you have to maybe carve out more of a niche. Um, do you think it's good that these other breweries have kind of laid the groundwork to where you can get into these other bars, people know more about craft beer in the DFW area, or do you think it makes it more difficult that there's already kind of a large presence of several different craft uh, breweries now? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's definitely a different game. I mean, if you're looking at who, you know, who timed this thing perfectly, I think it would be the, the, I don't know what wave you call this, but the 2011 crowd, the yeah. 2000, yeah. you know, the, uh, was it the 2011? Yeah. So like the, the deep LM pedicolis community. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they, they nailed the timing and you know, at that, at that time it was probably still a little bit speculative. Right. Um, and, and so, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that have, gone out and tried something and been a little bit ended up being too early or too late but they 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 picked it right i think they picked the timing you know um just spot on i mean there's you know they they pretty much were the only game in town for for a while um so that being said you know i think um there's definitely some advantages to 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 starting now and being able to look back and, and, you know, just, I mean, just look at what equipment, I mean, these people have been in business, you know, for five years. So what equipment are they using now versus earlier? And like how, right. you know, uh, how are they operating their businesses and you know what? Yeah. And like you said that, you know, all of a sudden there used to be one or two bars that had more than 10 taps. Now mm-hmm. there, every bar has more than 10 taps. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, man, I think any, I think anything, in business and I mean, more generically, anything in life is, is going to be the same challenge. Cause you're always having to, to work within the, the, the physical limitations of the universe. Right. So right, like, true. it's always going to find a way to, to, to be difficult on you. But, um, I think now, uh, I think what's something that's cool now is that, uh, I see that, that kind of the average beer IQ is a lot higher than it was five years ago. And so the conversations are a lot more interesting than, than someone, you know, what's a hop or something. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like literally someone like, yeah. so beer's made from hops, right? I'm like, yeah. well, that's, I mean, if I wanted to pick one ingredient, <laughs> I'd probably lean towards barley, but right. you know, um, but yeah, there's hops in there too. So yeah, I think the conversations are a lot, you know, a lot more interesting and, and, uh, I think you can do a lot more, you know, sophisticated, I don't say sophisticated, like I just more, I don't know, interesting things on the, on the flavor side and people right. will notice them where five years ago, someone's like, I, I don't know the difference between a blonde and a pale ale. Right. Sure. You know, I think now, now you, people do. So it makes it a lot, a lot more interesting. I think there's still <laughs> confusions about a lot between, especially at the macro level, but red ales and brown ales, and they tend to like, uh, Porters and stouts. Porters and stouts. Across tend to kind bit. of cross yeah. lines and blend, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned um, looking back to Deep Ellum and others, and you talked to a lot of breweries along the way. Were any of them kind of your mentors, or is there one of those breweries or maybe somewhere in some other city that you pattern, you, you're patterning your business after or you kind of look to as like kind of an idol in some ways or your hero in the brewing industry that you, want, you would love to be like? Man, I feel like it's a, it's a blend from a lot of different um, – you know, and I can use a couple, I mean, obviously I got to give, give props to Bitter Sisters for letting us, you know, use their space. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, um, and then looking at some other, I mean, Pedicolis, uh, I mean, he's done such a great job of, um, of just building a reputation, 
a, a very positive reputation. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's on multiple fronts. I think it's on a service front. Um, you know, when like I was at a, I was at a bar and, and I, I ordered a velvet hammer and it tasted a little off and I, uh, I texted him and it's like, Hey man, I was here and tasted off. And the next morning I saw a van like at 9am, like pull up to the, you know, to take care of it. So, um, and then also, you know, just, um, you know, Pedicolus doesn't, I mean, I haven't had a single beer from them that wasn't what it was supposed to be. Yep. Right. Um, and whether that's, you know, I, and once again, I mean, that's something that we definitely like, I, I don't ever want someone to have, you know, a beer from us and go, this just doesn't taste right. You know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. I want it to be what it's supposed to be. And, and, and he's done a great job of that. Um, you know, obviously deep element, their, their marketing is, is, you know, really, really good. Um, consistent yet, you know, kind of innovative and, and things. So, I mean, I think there's, there's great examples from, from all over. Um, as far as one in particular, I think, you know, we just kind of, you know, look to all sorts of different areas for inspiration is who we want to be and, and, and kind of pull it all together in our own unique way. So Russian river is a good one too. You mentioned yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Russian river, which I think, okay. So I think, I think blind pig is better than Pliny the elder, but yeah, it's not quite as harsh on the palate, which I think is, is good. Not that Pliny the elder is bad, but you really have to want that, that real West coast hops intense flavor to get that one. And blind pigs more, I wouldn't go so far as to say session, but it's more, you you could have a few of those and not destroy the palate and and still have a lot of flavor in it. So I agree. That's, I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a great beer. Yeah. Really good beer. Speaking of, do you guys want a West Coast IPA? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Mark. Hey, it's a beautiful day outside. Why are we not? Why are we stuck in this stupid room? I don't know. Why'd you put us in here? I kind of figured we'd go around the pool outside. I figured, why don't we just drive down to the lot? Well, that too, yeah. And if we go to the lot right now, we just talked about reasonably priced beers, how more breweries need to be more reasonably priced. Well, how about you get one free on the house from Pine Hub? That's very reasonably priced. It, yeah, one on the house for free, and you might not like it. You might smash in your servers first. We don't We don't advise that you do that. You or their face. Their first or their, their face. Their first or their face. The yeah. first is the other end of them. <laughs> um, but uh, if you go uh, to the lot and you sit out there with the patio, now you can only get you can only use Pine Hub in the bar at the lot, but that's not your... That's they do the, have a beautiful patio. They do have way. a beautiful patio. You can, yeah. walk, you can walk your little tiny uh, getaway sticks into the bar, <laughs> use your Pine Hub uh, app, open it up, what if I have large legs? Uh, no, they have to be tiny. Oh, okay. That's Fair in the enough. user agreement of Pine Hub. Tiny legs only. <laughs> right. Tiny getaway sticks. You show them the beer you want, you'll get your first beer at the lot on the house if you use the Pine Hub app. Uh, you can select such beers as the Fancy Lawnmower from St. Arnold, my very first craft beer. Yeah. The Kolsch from Franconia, a good beer. Mosaic IPA from Community. A great beer. Texas Honey from Austin Eastsiders and the Tempters from Liquid Brewing, which we talked about. And the ever special Velvet Hammer from Pentecolis. Not one bad beer on that list. Absolutely not. So when you get to the lots or any other venue that's supported by Pine Hub, now we should admit they're only supporting DFW right now. But yes. when you find a venue 
all you have to do is open up the app, select your beer, show your server, and you get a beer in your drinky, drinky mouth. <laughs> or you can, if you, if you don't want to put it in your suck hole, maybe you're somewhere else in Dallas. Just yes. use their uh, Explorer to find other venues that you've never tried before. Pineup can be used at participating breweries, restaurants, and breweries in DFW, but new cities are coming soon. Get your first beer in the house every single day. Download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play, and when you sign up, use the promo code BrewBloods to get your first month for one little measly. Dollar. Mention Mark, and you may even get a special discount. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But you can, you should try it. They'll probably charge you one hundred dollars <laughs> for your first beer every okay. time you get it. Don't, don't mention Mark. Then. Don't mention me. So let's talk about what we're drinking now. All right. So this is uh, Hoppenheimer. It's our West Coast IPA. It's one of our core lineups available year-round. Um, and we mentioned Russian River and mm-hmm. talked about Russian River a little bit. Um, I would say that, that this is definitely inspired by, by their flavor profiles and, and you know, kind of a, a medium malt, uh, definitely dry, a little bit of pine resin, a little bit of citrus, nice fruity hop. Uh, flavor on the back end so just a just a solid uh, west coast ipa yeah it's not too brash which is nice a lovely color by the way nice copper <laughs> color which is great oh thank you yeah you're right that does have their their flavor profile for sure well don't i mean I, i've i've uh, i've heard you guys you you're not afraid to be critical so you... <laughs> yeah so well that's kind of why we we talked about this before i kind of want we got away from the reviews because sometimes you're trying to do it just to be funny, you yeah. know, and sometimes I think, especially me, I think sometimes I was trying to be funny and I probably was more mean than I meant to be. Like, I didn't mean <laughs> to be mean, but, you know, you're trying well. to be funny. I don't know. I'm trying to be entertaining. So I think, uh, uh, I don't know. This is, it's a very drinkable, hop heavy, but very drinkable beer. You know, some of them, like we talked about, they just kind of destroy the palate and they're not yeah, very smooth, not a, but this one's pretty smooth. It's not and, a palate exhaust. So I like the combo. Yeah, I had this once. I think you guys have been at Common Table before with this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I've had that. I have had this one there. Highly recommend it if you go to Common Table. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. In the let's see, we first talked to you guys two years ago, Big Texas, three years ago, Big Texas. It was your second day. Well, it would have been. been it would have been like a year and a half. Yeah. It was because you know, Index Fest just was just this past year. So the the, fe- the festival formerly known as, as the Untapped Fest. It was yeah. the Untapped. Formerly yeah. Untapped, yeah. yeah. So, but not Big Texas. I'm just clarifying that. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. I yeah. It's I know. I get them all changes. mixed up. Big too. Texas just happens. So <laughs> right. Whatever. Anyways, that was the day two, as you mentioned, of your business. So I'm curious, in in being one of the newer breweries, how have things changed for you just in the last two to three years? Oh man, it's. Um, I mean, you just never know, um, and this is like I don't know. To to me, like opening a business is is somewhat like a like a road trip, you know. And and uh, you you have an idea of where you want to end up, but sometimes you don't know how it is you're going to get there. You know, like you, you don't know when you're going to get hungry. You don't know when you're going to have to stop and pee, or like right. when when a road's going to be closed, or when you're going to get when, a flat tire. When the car breaks down, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so. Um, you know, I think we're, I mean, I think we're actually, we're, we're pretty close to where we had originally, you know, uh, thought of ourselves, which, um, you, you know, we're about a mile from downtown, um, where our brewery is going to be located. Um, and that was something we, we all kind of like, you know, being close to the city and kind of being a more urban environment. And, um, you know, we're in a, 
it's I, I wouldn't even call it transitional anymore neighborhood i mean the neighborhood is is really like a nice uh nice neighborhood just uh off of commerce west of downtown and so that was definitely something that was in our vision was to be kind of in a densely populated you know area and and um obviously we have you guys been to stone Mm-hmm. I've been yeah, to Stonebury. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I've, that's not exactly, I mean, that's a little bit more than what we're going for, yeah. but just the fact that they were, I mean, they did such a great job there. So, um, you know, that's just, why you just go there, it's like an industrial park, and you would never know. I mean, if you didn't know where Stone was, just, it's been five or six years since I've been, but it's just like this unassuming building. And then you start to, you know, the, like you walk to the entrance to that forested path to the yeah. gate. You're like, holy crap! Like this is like <laughs> completely different on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's super cool. But I, mean, I don't know if I answered you. Oh, you say what, what's changed two or three years? Um, I talked to my lawyer a lot more than I thought I would. I, I I was like, oh well, yeah, we need a lawyer to just you know look over our company documents, and then and it's just man, like I'm like guys, I just. I just want to, can't we all just get along? I just want to make beer and, you know. Right. Legal but, Zoom, I'm assuming Legal Zoom just does not suffice anymore. <laughs> no, it's totally, it's totally worth the hundreds of dollars per hour even. But, but yeah, so that, that's definitely something different, which is actually, um, yeah, no, but we got a, we got a great, uh, our attorney's great. He's a real good guy, real cool guy. And, and, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot more of that than I anticipated. Sure. But, How's uh, the as far as your consumers go? How have you seen things change for maybe their preferences, or um, maybe they like something more than you thought they would like some other beer that you thought they would like more? Well, probably um, one of the biggest surprises for us was um, last year we we sat down with the guys up at Taps and Caps uh, with uh, with uh, Roman and Rick and and those guys and and um, kind of we're coming up with an idea for a for a new you know, for a new beer and, um, and this kind of this milkshake thing, it just kind of started to take off. So, so they were really kind of set on doing something, you know, something, uh, milkshake. And for those people that don't know, essentially a milkshake IPA is just IPA with lactose in it. Um, typically they have some other flavors as well. So, um, and, and we were kind of like on a really tight development timeline. Like normally we would, we would want six months and, and we were trying to release something in, in three months from idea to, mm-hmm. to on the shelf. So, um, and we, and we had some experience working with coconut in, um, in uh, plutonium in our coconut porter. So we kind of said, okay, we got milkshake, you know, and we're trying to do it in three months. We need to do something we're experienced with. So we're not having to just do a ton of experimentation, so we came up with the concept of a pina colada IPA. And when I was leaving the meeting um, with Misty, I, I looked over at her and I was like, did we just agree to make a pina colada IPA, right? And, and I just, I was like, oh man, I don't know, I don't know. I was I was fretting that one. And then really the first test batch, I tasted it and I was like, yes, like this works. This is gonna, this is, it's definitely not there yet. We still need to tweak some things, but this is gonna work. And, um, and then, man, it just ended up, we thought we were gonna make a couple batches of it and, you know, but it ended up exploding. It's called Atomic Alliance or Pina Colada IPA. And it sounds weird, but it's, it's absolutely delicious. No, have you, got, have you guys had a chance to try it? I have not. No, I, okay. uh, that, one, that one sounds interesting. No, sure. I would love to try that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It's like, uh, we, we just don't make a whole lot of beer. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, <laughs> you actually have to be on the hunt to to find our stuff. But um, it, we're gonna be we're gonna be brewing it here pretty soon, so um, it should be out sometime in the next few months. So cool. I'll let you guys know. Yeah, the Excellent. only milkshake IPA I've had was Green Cheek. I forget the name of it. Out of Anaheim, they're right down, right near Angel Stadium, but. Um, yeah, I, I I really like the concept. It's I think for me it's like yeah. like a one and done type of beer because it's so it's so much heavier than like even this beer we're drinking now. I believe uh, Intrinsic makes one as well. Yeah, I haven't had Intrinsic. Okay. I know they make one. And you guys, you guys, don't you have a hazy Northeast IPA you just released as well? Yeah. So when we launched, we we had Half Life, which is a hazy IPA, right. and um, you know we classify as an, as a New England IPA. Um. And, but honestly, it's not as thick and heavy and juicy and hazy as, as, you know, the stuff that Trillium and everybody's doing, but, um, which brings kind of to a bigger point is that when you're trying to pick a style for a beer, like you have the beer, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what the beer you, and then you have to pick a style. Essentially. That's kind of how we work. We go, okay, we've made this beer. It's good. Now, (laughs) yeah, where does it fit? And so, so we went with the, you know, New England and at the time, you know, nobody was doing a hazy IPA in Dallas. I don't think anyone was doing hazy IPA in Texas at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we came out with, um, with Half-Life and, and I think it was actually really good. It was, to me, it was like a good introduction, um, for the, for the market on a hazy IPA because it was still, it's, it's still super approachable. It's still like one of my favorite beers. It's kind of my go-to beer that, that we make just cause it's, um, I mean, it's just a highly drinkable beer, um, but uh, but yeah. So so we came out with that, and that was a year and a half ago when we launched. And then our one year anniversary, um, we came out with Double Half Life, which is essentially more like the big, you know, bigger, juicier, hazier um, version of of Half Life. So so yeah, and there's some man, there's some um, there's some good ones coming out in the market. I just had. Uh, have you guys had? The Tups uh, Double Dry Hop. No, not I, yet. I've heard about their release party for it coming up, and the the problem with uh, especially the special releases is a lot of times they're the brewery events, are obviously at the brewery, and it's like it's hard to get up to McKinney, you know, for for events. <laughs> well, like that. tell them to save you a can. Yeah, man. there you go. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I love Tups. Well, just, ask Chase to put one aside. There that's true. It's just hard to get up there sometimes. <laughs> right. So as a as a, especially as a young brewery, how much do you feel like you have to follow the trends versus what you want to do? Some people roll their eyes at trends, like you know, Pedicolis. They tend to, you know, not they kind of forge their own path. But they've also they're a little bit older, so they can you know afford to do that. Sounds you know? like you want to do what you like more than you care about yeah. the trends. But yeah, I mean, we everything. we we pay attention to the trends because we're beer drinkers and right. it's fun, right? And True. um and then yeah, a lot of them are very um. I don't know, very like very much fads, right? Yeah, like yeah. and that's not but like when we started trying some of these you know, when we started trying New England IPAs, we started trying milkshade IPA, like these are these are good. This is like a really interesting this is not just it's not different for the sake of being different. Mm-hmm. It it has a a purpose and a reason, right? Like and you know, the um to me the the, the thing with the with the New England IPAs or Northeast IPAs is that um you know the 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 bitterness has really been pulled down, and so in order to balance it, you have to pull the the malt down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discovered this when we were developing Half Life, which is before kind of New England IPAs were a thing. Um, but when you pull the malt, so when you pull the bitterness down, you have to pull the malt down. When you pull the malt down, you lose the mouthfeel, and it becomes very watery. And so you have to do something to bring the mouthfeel back, and that's why 
you use oats and wheat because oats and wheat contribute protein and the protein gives you mouthfeel. So, so there's a reason that all of these things, you know, happen to go together. And, uh, I think a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of different people kind of discover this independently, but, um, so to me that, yeah, I mean, what was the, what's been the biggest problem with, um, IPAs, you know, adoption of IPAs is that people didn't like the bitterness. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, I don't like hops. It's like, no, you're probably okay with hops. You just don't like, you know, 125 IBUs. Right. You know, so I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think the, the hazy IPAs, they'll, they'll probably calm down a little bit. And ours are m- more calm than some of them. Sure. Um, but I mean, I think it's here to stay, man. I think it's, I think it's a great style. I love it. So, well, IPAs being a sales leader, I think for most breweries, I think, especially as consumers, we're probably looking for the next IPA. And West Coast, everybody's done West Coast at this point, um, or even just a standard IPA. And so I think the New England IPA being something that was adjacent, you know, still had the similar profile, but was something completely different. I think that's why people are turning towards it, because it's something new and appealing in the same category. It's something they know they like. And so, but here's a new spin on it. You know, it's got a new haircut. Um, So that's... It's kind of cool to see, and, and I do, you know, I, I worry, like, okay, so what's the next step? Not worry, but, you know, I wonder what's the next step. Or are they going to go back completely different and go back to brown ales, maybe? maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think glitter beer is going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, it's, I, I think, I, it, it, it's funny. I like, I mean, I... Stunt beers. I like people yeah. having fun, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, sure. it's cool, but, yeah. No, so that, that, I think that's, uh, to kind of answer your question a little bit, maybe more completely, was that... Um, you know, every everything good started as a trend, right? Mm-hmm. Like German pilsners were probably a trend two thousand years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And they sure. and they they stuck they stuck, right? So, <laughs> I think right. it's yeah. I mean, we just we we see things that are going on, and and if it's something that that we like, we get on board with it, and and we do it. But but yeah, I mean, we're I mean, we're not in we're not in business just to toot our own horn, right? Like yeah. we uh, obviously like we we want to make what what people want to drink and um sure. you know as long as we think it's a good beer and we think other people want to drink it and we try to kind of get as check as many of those boxes as as possible and, and that's kind of how we make up our beer list so i guess one more question to kind of maybe your outlook as the brewery grows um you know there's it seems to be a focus to kind of local beers and local breweries more so than out-of-state breweries coming in and kind of taking over market. I mean, you have some exceptions like Bells and Founders and things that still seem to thrive pretty well. Um, then we've had other ones like Green uh, Green Flash shutting down recently, uh, Ninkasi pulling out of the DFW area, things like that. Um, are you guys thinking you might want to try to grow to a bigger scale past DFW at some point, or is the focus right now to be that beloved, hyper-focused local brewery? Well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's definitely where it starts. Um, I mean, if, I mean, you take kind of, uh, I mean, you you rewind the clock 20, 30 years. I mean, that's how every, right. I mean, like Walmart started with one store, right? Like they were a local store. Um, you know, now they're a global enterprise and I think so. I, I, not, I'm just using Walmart as a random example, but, uh, I mean, that's, I think how anything starts is to say, well, I mean, if I can't produce something that, that, the people that I know and are friends with enjoy, then, then what's the point of going? So I think, you know, you start, yeah, you start with the, start with your friends and family and then you go to your neighborhood and then you go to your city, then to your Metroplex. And, and, um, you know, I think at that point, the, the market tells you 
we'll know, right? By by the time we we kind of you know get our stuff open and we're able to have a higher production level, the market's going to tell us, yeah, we want you in Houston, we want you in Austin, we want you in Oklahoma City or wherever it may be. I like to just kind of keep my my head focused on let's just do what we do and try to do it as well as we think we can and and uh, let the market tell us. Makes sense. So. Well, speaking of that, so I mentioned your new brewery. So you guys are opening here on Commerce, just on the corner here. So yeah. I'm interested in – so tell us about your new brewery, your plans for it, um, anything anything you can or want to reveal or yeah, challenges man, you're facing with the city maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't – for some reason we, you know, we ended up with like – Pretty much every process you can go through with the city, um, I think we're going through. So from from platting to right of way abandonment to to uh, st- street improvements, utility upgrades, like so. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of different forms to fill out down at the city. But it <laughs> sounds um, like more interaction with the lawyers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> My wife's a builder, so I understand she's. I'm not a lawyer. I'm sorry. She's a builder. I said lawyer. She's a builder, so I totally understand. She's often down at the uh, getting plans approved and having to sit there and wait in the waiting room for like three hours, and they may or may not see you. Oh yeah, we're not even we're not even at the part where they'll look at our plans yet. Oh wow! <laughs> right. So we should be doing that next week, hopefully. Right, so so you can yeah, hire people to do that for you. By the way, they'll yeah, sit there and wait wait for you. <laughs> yeah, the, the, plan the plan runners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're um, so yeah, we're it's it's, but I think one of the things is we're just you know, the three of us, we have, we're very, like, we have something in in our, that's one of the things we get something in our head and like, we just can't get, so we had an idea of what we wanted to do, where we wanted to do it. And we were just, you know, committed to that. And, um, and so I think, you know, we got a great location and all the efforts been, been worth it. Um, there's a, the property we bought has an existing warehouse. We're going to, um, come in and add a, like a mezzanine, kind of like a second floor in between the top and the bottom um to where we can put in a little extra office space um but it's going to have a 1500 square foot tap room um there's gonna be a beer garden outside you know 2000 square foot 2200 square foot beer garden um just it's gonna be really cool family friendly uh nice fence now that we have a kid we realize the importance of like having fences (laughs) and boundaries you know so your kids can't run off and get run over so it'll definitely be fenced in so um, yeah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a great spot. I think it's going to be, um, something like something definitely different, like great outdoor space and, and whatnot. So we're excited about it. Do you have any, uh, like a specific design theme? Like I'm looking at your apartment here, which is very well appointed. <laughs> great design aesthetic. Is that Misty? Is that you? Or? Oh, it's Misty. It's yeah. Misty. Yeah. Misty? Yeah. So in, is she making the plans, the design plan for that? Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, like I'm the guy that like draws it up, uh-huh. you know? So like I have, um, I've, I've got some experience with, you know, CAD programs and things like that. So, so yeah, we, we decided to take on the kind of the interior design and, and actually even the architecture, uh, aspect ourselves. So, um, went out and hired engineers for like the structural and the, you know, electrical and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're doing all of the, the plans and the design interior design. Cause once again, we just kind of had our mind, focused on what we wanted and we want to make sure we got it so seems like it would be a just based on what my wife goes through a fun yet frustrating process (laughs) (laughs) yeah the result the lead up to that is a whole other ball game (laughs) yeah man and you know if it were easy it just it wouldn't feel as good when you finish yeah so yeah a little yeah (laughs) a lot of sweat equity to that um 
So do you guys, I know you guys have a target date of opening in September. Yeah. Um, so do you have any big plans for your opening party? Or is that a little too early to be asking on that? Uh, we've, we've talked about a few things. We don't have anything finalized. And it'll prob- some of them will probably remain secrets until closer to the, yeah. to the date. But, yeah, there's a couple, um, there's a couple uh, um, beer releases. Because it's, it's, it's going inter- to be very close to our, um, to our two-year anniversary as well. Mm-hmm. This will be our two year anniversary, our grand opening, our kind of all really, really close together. So um we got a couple couple cool things planned, but for the most part we just really want to get it finished, get that CO and yeah. be Makes able sense. to start start making some beer and and um have some people over. So <laughs> all right, well let's uh I won't take too much of your time here, so let's get to the lighting around here. Um, all right. So what was your very first beer? Not necessarily craft beer, what was your first beer? Um, probably a Miller Lite. That's a common one. You yeah. Still drink Miller Lite or um, beer only? Or? <laughs> uh, I've I I actually took a sip of a Miller Lite um, probably about six months ago when someone was drinking one and they were talking about how much they liked it and I was like, I need to try this again. <laughs> and yeah. and I and I tasted it and and I probably I probably tasted it in, in a more critical fashion or a more like you know, kind of, uh, you know, beer aficionado fashion that I'd ever tasted it before. And it actually got some pretty interesting kind of tasting notes off of it. So, yeah, actually it's my, if I'm going to go for a macro, that's the one I, yeah, that's I, one I would pick too. I too would contend it's the best of the macros. <laughs> so what was your, uh, your very first craft beer? Um, well, I, I, I would say my gateway into, I can't remember exactly what you, it depends on where we put the craft line. So sure. I think my gateway was probably Shiner. Um, and what happened was I had a I had a Shiner, and it was sitting there, and it got warm. And I was like, man, this is going to be terrible. And then I drank it, and it didn't taste terrible. And I was like, oh, wait, so not all beer tastes bad when it gets warm. <laughs> you know. And so that was kind of my gateway into craft. I think uh, we did uh – Cores over ice one time when that got warm. <laughs> we did. We poured it over ice just that's, to get it cold again, which was yeah. disgusting. That's how we were when we were twenty one. And threw a straw on top of that. <laughs> uh, so, of the beers you've made so far, uh, which was the one that you're most proud of, and that you would like shove in everybody's faces if you could. Oh man! In a loving way, not in, in a loving way. way. Yes, a, a loving shove into. The I face. hate this question. This is like, <laughs> which is your favorite child? Yeah, this yeah. is like your favorite child question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to just go with, I'm just going to pick one. You can uh, pass if you want to. If you, yeah. If you, if you sort of love them all, that's fine too. Pat. Well, <laughs> people say like, well, what's your favorite? And I'm like, well, I can only tell you what I, what I would pour next. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I'll go with that. If I were to, if I were to pour one next, it would be a black matter or coffee oatmeal stout. So that's what I would pour next. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So outside of your own brewery, uh, what is your, favorite brewery and why oh um geographically doesn't matter um man this is <laughs> this okay so so it, i don't know if you technically call this a brewery but uh we went to we went to belgium a few years back and we had this there's a book called the beer drinker's guide to belgium it's kind of famous i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys but you know these three guys spent 20 years um going around uh, Belgium, like documenting every single bar and, and pretty much e- almost every bar over there has their own house beer. 
and I don't know where, I don't know if they make it themselves or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's this little tiny place called Degar that has this, uh, this triple that's just amazing. So I, I don't even know, I, I guess it's called Degar. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah. So that was just a cool, it, it was like really hard to find. We had to have a map and we still couldn't find it and we had to just like knock on random doors and like. <laughs> go through this alley and it was it was great so this is a tiny little place super hard to find and had just the most amazing belgian triple you've ever had so i'm gonna go with the car so what's the uh, strangest ingredient you've ever brewed with you talked about going back to your brew right days yeah you know, the, you know if you go all the way back to that yeah, go, yeah to what's be, the weirdest thing you i don't know we're kind of like the in, in a way we're kind of like i don't know i feel sort of like a fuddy-duddy when i'm like <laughs> talking about because we're like pretty conservative on on beer ingredients, but, uh, you don't go all dogfish and put like pieces of surfboard in there or something, something odd. No, no. Um, (laughs) man. Yeah. Like we don't even, we don't even really get that crazy with ingredients. Uh, I mean, we did like a Serrano ginger Saison one time. I mean, we've used coconut in a couple beers. Um, but yeah, I mean, we (laughs) kind of keep it, we just try to, we just try to, you know, Keep it simple and just yeah, just make a beer. Try to make a beer and get it balanced right. So, so that's right? that's hard enough, man. You start throwing <laughs> yeah. you start throwing like Asian plums in there, man. You right. just like really make it difficult. So you mentioned Shiner. So what's your favorite Texas beer then? Uh, favorite Texas beer outside of your own, of course. Outside of our own, okay. Um, man, sorry, sorry for the dead air time. I'm trying to. <laughs> trying to think um i think jester king's doing some really cool stuff man i like some of the stuff I, I i just like how they i like how they approach it's probably the it's probably their their the substances they're consuming outside of <laughs> outside of beer but they have a really yeah. cool approach um i like the fact that they you know i just like the fact they made a beer called commercial suicide that was you know two percent alcohol i mean i think that's just yeah. awesome i just they're w- definitely I, not afraid to be experimental for no sure. yeah. i just wish they had a better representation here and and North Texas. It's it's always a bummer when you go to the store and we barely get, like we get you know we get all their standard issue beers and then we just get a lot you of gotta go to the brewery. Like I mean it's probably yeah. not just us, of course, but I just wish we had even at festivals here we we get a hired gun who knows nothing about the beer and they're just pulling bottles out of boxes and they don't they don't care about what they're pouring. It's always disappointing every time we go to a festival and there's just a booth and it's just like. Yeah, and I I don't even think they went to Big Texas Beer Fest, did they? Yeah, I don't know. I was out of town yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they were there. It's, oh, yeah, that was disappointing. Because they'd always get the huge line. Yeah. I mean, that was like yeah. all yeah. the VIPs are like sprinting to, <laughs> well, to get to Jess. That's true. The very first year, Big Texas, I think it was that year, the year they did the beer, Jess King did the beer with Salt Lake. It was that combo, and it, it was a beer that tasted like barbecue, which was disgusting. Um, it, like it, but, I, on their on to their credit, it tasted like salt yeah, barbecue. They did what they said they were doing. Barbecue. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, great representation of the product of the of the stunt beer, but not something I want to drink. But I think that's the only time they've had a good representation that I can recall out of all the festivals we've been to. I, I would love to see them have like a bigger, I don't know, representative front here just to make more of a. Uh, emotional splash here because I know they make good beer I just would love to see more of it here and you know I'm not going to drive down to Austin very often especially not with uh, the traffic now yeah okay so um, if you had one piece of advice or something you would want to put in the heads of every craft beer drinker what would it be um, it would be um, 
so let me, I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of talk through this a little bit and we'll <laughs> maybe try to summarize it. But I, I hear a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a beer expert. I'm like, Hey, taste this beer. Tell me what you think. And, and, and they get very self-conscious and they're like, I'm not a beer expert. I can't. And I'm like, listen, I'm not expecting you to be able to tell me what hops are in it, whatever. But like, have you ever like, it's sort of like, have you ever like given someone a bowl of pasta and be like, Hey, taste this. And they're like, Oh, I'm not a pasta expert. I don't know. <laughs> or like give them like, yeah. like a Snickers. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not a candy, candy bar expert. It's like, <laughs> no man, it's just your, you're just telling me if you like it or not. Right. Yeah. You know? So I think that'd be my, my, my biggest thing is that, Hey, whatever you taste is what you taste. And, and you know, you may not have the vocabulary that, that some of us have, or, you know, uh, you know, cause we've been in around it more, but Whatever you taste is what you taste, and if if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't, and that's okay. So. I think that's, I mean, it started with wine, obviously, the wine community being real snobbed, and I think we've had that problem as craft beer drinkers, the, you know, the rise of the craft beer snob, which we've talked about before, is we kind of, I, I think, maybe not us in this room, but certain people tend to make it more of like an exclusive club about, well, I know way more than you, and no, I know more than you. Yeah. And we try to outdo each other with knowledge and snobbery rather than just making the fun experience it should be. And so yeah, no, and, I, yep. and, and in some in some regards, I actually like the the novice beer drinker to me is is more fun because I, I you know, and a lot of people just some people still think they don't even like beer, and I'm like, trust me, everyone on the planet likes beer. Mm-hmm. Not because I think, you know, not because I'm trying to toot the beer horn, but I'm like, beer can taste like anything. Right. You can make beer taste like absolutely anything. So if you, you have taste right buds, yeah. if you have taste, yeah, you just haven't <laughs> had the right one yet, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, when people taste like a, you know, um, we did a Goza last summer and people taste that, they're like, oh my God, this is beer. Or, you know, I, it's just, um, I, I love introducing like the novice, novice beer drinker to beer. And, and, um, and a lot of times they, they, they taste a lot more than they, than they think they do. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, there's kind of like, is there grapefruit in there? And like, no, but that's from the hops. That's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, True. so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, Chad from Big Texas. I remember I was scanning through the Dallas uh, beer group one time, and they were somebody posted, as they or want to do in that group, complaining. Um, this time about Big Texas Beer Festival about how why someone we, was complaining on social no media. <laughs> uh, they were complaining about Big Texas and why didn't they seek out this rarity or this rarity or this rarity? And Chad posted, you know, what I thought was a very measured um, response, and he said, "I'm not here." He's like, "You guys, being the crappier nerds, and I'm just obviously summing it up here. Uh, you're not my primary audience. My primary audience, you guys are like twenty percent of my audience." My audience is the 80% who perhaps have never had a craft beer before and we're yeah. introducing them to a new product. He's like, that's what we're going for. You guys are going to seek out whatever rarities, however you can get it. These guys are just here to try something new and something they never had before. He's like, that's who I'm going for. Which, Yeah, and it's kind of – also, it's like it's on us as a brewery to, to bring stuff. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. – I mean, you know, like obviously like we're invited – I mean – they could specifically say, well, you're, we're not going to allow you to come unless you bring, but that's not what they want. I mean, they just yeah. say, Hey, we sign up, bring what you think you need to bring. And, and so, yeah, that's on us. A, yeah. a lot of it is to, and we, we try to bring a mix. We, yeah, we try to bring something that's, cause there's definitely two audiences and there's probably more than that, but yeah, at yeah. least two audiences, which is, um, 
Yeah, people that are just, it's their hobby. Like drinking beer, finding beer is their hobby. That's what they want to do. They want to try the newest thing. They want to try whatever. Yep. And, um, and, and that's fun too. That's kind of like, you know, like that's kind of like the group I fall into. Mm-hmm. But, but then there's, like you said, there's, you know, 80% of the people out there that, once again, maybe <laughs> don't know the difference between a blonde and a pale ale, but, nope. but yeah. Well, you got people that have been drinking Keystone Light their entire lives, like my boss, for instance, and, you know, he thinks, um, I don't know, anything like anything above that is like way too strong or way too bitter. But he finally started trying some craft beers like gradually and he's found his way into a few that he actually likes. So it's, you know, yeah. he still drinks his Keystone Light, but he'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> venture out there and try something else once in a while. Okay. The, the one that drives me crazy is color. People are like, oh, the color on that. And I'm like, it's yeah. the same color as Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, a dark beer. I automatically don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. My father falls in that category. <laughs> but no, I think, I think this also goes back to our 100th episode when we were talking to Wynn Bims from Lakewood when he said, yeah, Temptress is for you guys with Temptress and the Variates, and then we make all call for, to try to bring in the casual drinker. Yeah. yeah it's, like you say, I think it's, it is kind of on the brewery, too, to serve the whole, mm-hmm. the whole spectrum. So last question, and I think I'm probably going to know your answer based on what you said <laughs> before, but uh, my favorite question is bring more art or more science? Um, brewing is science. Um, yeah, like people have, yeah, people have said, oh, you know, it's, I mean, it must be fun to be creative all the time. And I was like, I'm like, no, it's like 5% creative. Like, I mean, like for instance, you know, we sat down when we were talking about this pina colada IPA, right? We sat down, we had a one hour meeting and we, and someone said pina colada IPA. Okay. Write it down. That was it. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's uh, the creativity's, you know, somewhat over at that point. Sure. Which not saying that, you know, not saying that the creativity isn't important like, you know, it is. But um, I mean, going from that to, uh, you know, to a finished product is a uh, is a lot of science. So mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I think you could um, I mean, I kind of think of that people talk about um you know, what makes an artist? And I think an artist is a creativity plus craftsmanship, right? Um, whereas um, someone who just comes up with designs is a designer, right? Someone who just builds stuff is a craftsman. But if you can combine those two, you have an artist. And I think that's, you know, that's similar kind of on the same, same same vein as your question is that, yeah, you have to have an idea. But, like, to be able to, to actually create that idea, I think that's what separates um, kind of, okay to to great because anyone can raise their hand and say pina colada ipa but making one <laughs> right you know that's 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 why we've got you know a great brewer like jeremy that can they can execute on that so well carl sandwich thanks for your time and uh yeah wish you the most success here in the coming months all right thank you man thank you Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Brew Bloods. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should be. It's absolutely free, and you can subscribe anywhere fine podcasts can be found. Through Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, or any podcast app out there. Above all, please tell a friend about us. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us as at BrewBloods on all the social networks or email us at BrewBloodsShow at gmail.com. That's BrewBloodsShow at gmail.com. So for everyone here at BrewBloods, this is Mark saying pros.